Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead, take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. Hello, welcome to another episode of Steelers Afternoon Drive. I am Zachary Smith. Joining me, not as always, Nick Farabaugh. Some of you have said that we look so much alike. You wanted to see the episode happen again. Here we are. Nick, what's going on, pal? Uh, what's going on, Smitty? Um, you know, so, you know, I look like Isaac Sayamalo, apparently. He's yeah. My brother. Um, you've heard that story on here. Well, yesterday someone thought I was Donnie Football. So, uh, <laughs> shout out to Donnie Chedrick at 937 of So, you know, I, I have three doppelgangers around Pittsburgh. It's you, Isaac Sayamalo, and Donnie Football. I, I'm I'm giving Carter a run for his money here. Um, in terms of guys that get mistaken for other people. The funny thing is, Isaiah Loudermilk isn't even in the conversation anymore in terms of a doppelganger. He's fallen out. He's you fallen out. Donnie yeah. Football and Samalo. Yeah, you know, one of us is six foot seven. There, um, that one. <laughs> little different, you know, me and Isaac, you know, Isaac's six foot four, but I'm six feet tall. So I, I got a little bit of height to me. You know, we got the same build, same hair, apparent, you know, it, that works. And then me and Donnie football, we're both just thought of as big dudes. So you and I were right here on a screen and you can tell as, as you can see the similarities and facial structure just jump out. That's where it stems from. Yeah. Um, but all right, I don't know if the people are here to talk about our facial structures or if they want to hear about football, <laughs> probably both. Uh, but first things first, before we get into that, like, subscribe to the channel, hit that notification bell so you don't miss an episode of the show, any of Nick's camp reports, any of the other content that becomes available to you guys. And leave us a comment down below and we'll talk about some of the comments that come through as you guys will see at the end of the show. We discuss some of them on every single episode, so be sure to do that. Nick, first things first, tomorrow, preseason opener, Steelers, Buccaneers. I want to know what you're looking forward to in this game. I'm sure I'm going to get Alan's thoughts on this tomorrow, but while I got you here, I got your opinion too. Whether it's you know headlines, like team-wise, groupings, certain players, anything, what is really on your mind heading into tomorrow's opener? A lot. I just have a lot of 
of questions that I need answered um, that from practices that I want to see if they translate to in-game settings. The first I really have a question for is like a big team one. It's like, is this aggressiveness downfield that we have heard about the explosive hunting for throwing the ball on the field? And they have done it. There's no doubt about it. Kenny Pickett in the offense have done it. Is that actually just a fluke? Is it just a practice thing? Or does Matt Canada dial that up in the game? Is it is it real? Do they, how much do they want to hunt for those explosive plays? I think that's the biggest thing because you know how much everyone's just talked about, man, they need explosive plays here. They need explosive plays there. Like, true, but you can't do it if you don't have the structure of the offense to do it. And right now at camp, they seem to be instilling that, but is translating over. Like, I don't trust Matt Canada to do Matt Canada thing, to not do Matt Canada things in a game yet, right? Like, we have two years of co- contrary evidence to what we are hearing this offseason. It's just the facts. You have two years of tape. So I want to see that. If we're going, like, individual players, I think there's a few there. I think Calvin Austin obviously making his debut. He didn't play in a single preseason game last year, so this will be his first NFL game. That's going to be something to really look at. I want to see how his speed translates to a live football game, right? Does he burn those guys or is he a practice guy? Because we've seen fast guys have really good camps before and just not be able to translate it to an actual game setting. He's a guy I think that you have to watch out for. And then I think it's pretty easy just to say, like, we all want to see this rookie class, right? Like, Mm -hmm. we want to see Broderick Jones play football. I think that's going to be good to see kind of how he stacks up against NFL edge rushers, D linemen. You know, he's had a solid camp. Um, I think Keanu Benton's an interesting guy. You know, it's tough to evaluate D linemen and O linemen in camp because you're just not doing super live stuff. So it'll be good to see them. Um, very excited to see Joey Porter Jr. I think that that's one that could be really good, especially if they end up playing Chris Godwin and Mike Evans. Now, I don't know if they will. Baker is obviously starting for the Bucks, and then they have a starting quarterback battle. So I wonder if that might kind of incentivize them to at least play, you know, Godwin and, and Evans, just maybe for a drive or two, see what they can do. Um, if they do, I want to see Joey Porter Jr. against them because we've seen Joey Porter Jr. against Pickens and, and Deontay, and I, I want to see him up against those guys because those would be – Good challenges. And then, like, the the one guy that I'm just so excited to see, I, I just want to see Darnell Washington. Like, I really do. Like, a six foot seven behemoth of a dude. I just want to see this guy, like, smoke everybody he goes in front of. I don't care what anyone says. He's, like, the funnest player to watch on the team. Six foot seven runs the four six that can block anyone off the edge. Mm-hmm. You're a football guy. You should love that. I hope to see it in a game tomorrow. So that's kind of what I'm watching. There's There are obviously other things like slot corner, inside linebacker, Quan Alexander, all of those. But those are the main three that I'm really looking at. Yeah, for me, with all the injuries that have happened throughout camp on the back end and then Minka missing time with his personal issue, um, I'm just excited to see which guys from the secondary stand out in a game setting. You know, like Kenny Robinson's a guy that I'm really excited to see because of how much time he's gotten with the ones in training camp. Um, and then I look at the inside linebackers and, you know, you're not even a starter, but I'm, I want to see Mark Robinson here in year two, uh, a guy that's only played one year of linebacker before becoming a Pittsburgh Steeler. And I'm just excited to see his development. Just, I mean, physically a massive dude. You see his biceps, very uh, James Harrison-esque 
arms. Um, and I'm excited to see what he looks like in a game setting this year, too. And I feel like he could get some decent run again because he's not a starter. You're not talking about Quan Alexander or Elandon Roberts or Cole Holcomb. So I think he's going to play quite a bit. And then, of course, like I think everybody's excited to see this rookie class. Everybody on paper thinks this is as good of a Steelers draft class as we've had since those, you know, historical ones of the 70s. So is it going to be able to live up to that? Uh, I hope so. I don't know the answer to that right now. Um, but I think everybody's very excited to just see those guys get onto a football field. Um, I think an interesting turning point to go off there, though, is Broderick Jones, because very good things that we've heard. And you actually wrote a story about him, how his arrow is up right now. First and foremost, without giving too much into that, because people should obviously go to the site and read the story, what made you think that his arrow is trending up right now is it just the words of the organization is it obviously your eyes seeing what he's done in camp a little bit of both yeah i mean andy weidel said that he was an arrow up guy so that yeah. is a quote the arrow up stuff um you know and, and that's sometimes just organization speak that you hear you're not gonna go out there and say well we're we're not happy with how the first round draft pick is doing right now it's just not gonna be said usually um, but I think you kind of watch him on the field and like they're sprinkling him in like these challenges every now and then. He, like, yeah, he's repping with the second team and mostly is, but he, he'll go in one-on-ones and face Alex Highsmith and Cam Hayward. Like that's not mm-hmm. what a second team tackle should be facing. And so they're challenging him clearly. And then yesterday he goes into like drills and works with Isaac Sayamalo instead of Kevin Dotson, like or Nate Herbig. Like it, it's they're sprinkling in these like little bits of info that say, all right, we're trying to ramp him up here to, to maybe give him that kind of final push ahead to see if he can start week one. I think Dan Moore has the kind of front running front runner status right now. I think he does. But Jones just looks up to the task. Like he's a quick learner. He's ready to go right now as a run blocker. He's really, really athletic. Like the dude's athleticism is insane for his size. He he's got crazy quick feet. Um, he does have some pass pro issues. I've said that before. Um, hand issues, uh, footwork. He's got to work all that. But like his arrow keeps getting better because he's a very coachable guy that is improving kind of week over week. And I think that's really all you have to ask for from a first round pick. You know, they like they might not play week one. Kenny Pickett didn't, but he got better and better over the season, better and better over training camp. His arrow was pointing up the whole time. So be an arrow up guy for your rookie year. Be a guy that just looks like the game gets slower with each passing week and don't take steps back. I think that's what Broderick Jones is doing. I think he's going to start at some point this season. I think he has to. You traded up to get him. He was supposed to be, you know, your blindside protector for Kenny Pickett for the future. You obviously think this guy is something that can be a cornerstone for you. And he just looks like a guy that is is going to be ready to play at some point this year. He might not be a great tackle. Rookie tackles historically struggle. But I think he's a guy that specifically when coming out, you look at him and say, he is a guy that just did this last week and he corrected it and he's not doing it again. Yeah, and we already know what he is as a run blocker, right? Like, that's not going to be the question with him. How good is he going to be in pass pro is the question as to how early he could get on the field. If the Steelers' plan was just to run the ball every single play, he could start right now. Yeah, I think that's absolutely true. Like, he is a guy that absolutely is a ferocious run blocker. He's a better run blocker right now than Dan Moore is. I I believe that. He would be a plus in the run game over Dan Moore. I just don't know 
how much you can trust him right now in pass pro, especially when you look at like the week by week edge rusher opponents in like the first week. It's like Nick Bosa, Eric Armstead for the 49ers, Max Crosby and Chandler Jones um, with the Raiders up there early, right? Like Miles Garrett. Like this is a brutal start to the year if you just go through the schedule to really start out the year. Like, it is a hard, hard start for whoever is going to play there at left tackle. So you're going to have really hard time. It eases up a little bit when you face the Texans and, and you face Will Anderson. But, I mean, even then it's not easy. And so he's if he starts, he is going to be a definite question mark and a definite problem, in my opinion, just because he's not like ready to jump into the waters and be like this elite pass protector. And you obviously can't have Kenny Pickett getting hurt. It's funny that you mentioned the Texans thing, because I was looking at it too. Like either they play really good pass rushes early or they play like D'Amico Ryans, who you know is going to throw some exotic things at him, even though like the Texans front might not be up to snuff when you talk about those other pass rushes we see early. So yeah, that's still going to be a challenge in my opinion for whoever that is early on. But I want to talk about these tackles and, Going into tomorrow, we fully expect that Dan Moore will will be the guy on the left side opening up, uh, play as many series as we see the starters play. We don't know what that's going to be right now. Do you think there's a shot at all that like that last series, if they're going to play multiple, we do see Broderick before playing with the twos, or is it strictly time with the twos tomorrow for Broderick? I, I think it's probably just time with the twos. I think we'll see him mixing with the ones maybe in against Buffalo next week. Um, I think they just need to give him more practice reps with the ones if he's going to play there in a game. Because if you assume he's out there with the ones, unless you're playing, say, Amalo and Cole and those guys past when Kenny Pickett is playing, you don't want to risk Kenny Pickett getting hurt. And I think that's the mm-hmm. biggest thing is how much do you like trust Broderick Jones right now in pass pro when you really haven't even seen him enough in practice to have a level of trust for him? And I think that's kind of the thing. So don't you, you I know Mike Tomlin is a whoa it's Sikkim guy kind of, you know, he <laughs> says they got a box. If they are going to box in the regular season, they better spar in the preseason. But uh, there's still a way to minimize injury potential. And I, I think not knowing what your left tackle is going to be, your rookie left tackle is going to be in practice. And like the one time he really was like a first teamer, Alex Highsmith completely dusted him like six out of eight times. I think you probably lean on the side of caution and say, all right, let's get him in practice next week. Let's see what he does against Highsmith and Golden and Watt. And let's get a, a basic level of play here. So he's comfortable with Sayamalo and Kenny's comfortable with him in the pocket and all of this before you throw him out there. And well, first preseason game, number eight could potentially get hurt. I don't think that's that whatever you want, especially after last year. You know, you have to keep in consideration Kenny Pickett had two concussions last year. I, I think that yeah. is still something people kind of err to the side. It's, it's not just about him not getting hurt. It's about him not getting another concussion, given he already has a history of that from his rookie season. Yeah, absolutely. I do think that the Steelers feel pretty good about those three tackles, right? In uh Core for Damore Jr. and Broderick Jones. Now, the question is that fourth tackle. We saw LaRaven Clark be brought in this past offseason – I all reports are that that hasn't gone very well. It seems to be losing rep after rep uh, in practice. And that is a spot to me where like, you know, you hope and pray that 
like last year, the Steelers can just run it with the same five and health isn't a concern, but this depth very well could be tested at some point. Um, that fourth tackle spot, where are you at with it? Do you think that it's on the roster right now, or is that something that you would be looking to potentially upgrade before the season starts here? That could be an external addition for sure. Um, the, uh, so could backup center, but backup tackle for sure. Mm-hmm. I mean, right now I'd only have three tackles on the roster, and it's a core for more Jones. I don't see a reason to keep LaRaven Clark. He's very mightily struggled. Nick Herbig has just taken him to the woodshed. Um, and really, you know, even when he faces guys like Perales and Nukeway, uh, those guys are taking Larry Evan Clark to the woodshed, and that's tough. You know, I know he's got experience, and that's kind of what he brings to the line and everything, but, man, he has really had a rough camp, and I think that is something you cannot overlook if you are trying to create the best roster possible. I don't think he has kind of gotten there. Dylan Cook has stood out well. I like him. He's got a really weird story, like – I'm when I'm talking weird, I mean it like senior year of high school, broke his collarbone. He was a quarterback. He was like six foot five, 250 as a quarterback. Mm-hmm. Goes to an NAIA school as a quarterback, basically doesn't play for his first two years, enters the portal, was fully expecting just to quit football and go on his way. Gets like hit up by the by Montana. And he walks on as an O lineman and had never played O line before, ends up being like a starter. And like an all-conference selection, and is now here in the NFL. It's it's a wild story, but he's like very athletic. He's got pretty good hands. He's got good footwork. Like he's got that baseline, and he's had a nice camp. Like he's probably been the best tackle outside of the top three, and, and I think that kind of sticks out to you. But is he on the roster right now? Probably not, because like think about what you have to do with the guards. You have to keep all four of those guards. You don't usually keep four guards, but when those four guards are mm-hmm. Samalo, Daniels, Dotson, and Herbig, you keep all four of them. And then at center, you probably keep Kendrick Green now with his insane-o-mania with fullback, H-back, center, whatever. It's fun, but he's he's making himself pretty non-expendable right now by, by playing there. So you, you got all three of those tackles already. You have four depth guys, and then you have two – I mean, you're not keeping 10 linemen, I don't think. So, I mean, it's that's nine. And so there's not really room for a guy like Cook who's maybe having a solid camp but not like a spectacular one. That's a practice squad guy that you can elevate. Um, but really the biggest thing is just they are deep on the interior. And so you keep that interior depth because you need to. That's where your strength's going to be. That's where you're going to run a lot of the time. And honestly, like LaRaven Clark probably would have been on the roster if he was playing at a decently high level, but he just hasn't shown enough. And so that could be an external addition. If they want to keep four tackles and maybe they don't trust a guy like Roderick Jones to be a swing tackle, because I fully expect if Chuk Sikorfor ever got hurt, I think more would swing over a right. Like that's what I think it would be. Even if he's mm-hmm. starting, I think he would switch to right and Jones to come in at left, which just offers up. That's a whole Pandora's box of things. Like that's not really something you see very often, but I think that's what they would do. So I think three tackles right now is what it is in that backup tackle spot. Maybe you bring someone in. I, I think you need as much offensive line depth as you possibly can, because remember they had all five of their starters last year for like the most snaps in the NFL. Like they did not have yeah. any injuries on that O-line last year. It's probably not going to be the same this year. Right. 
Yeah, knock on wood. But yeah, they were very fortunate last year with the health of the offensive line. Uh, Something else that they were very fortunate with last year, after years of spending mid-round picks on running backs, they lucked into Jalen Warren as an undrafted guy. And we got a comment on the YouTube that I really liked and I wanted to bring up on here. It's actually something that I've talked about in the past, um, just in terms of Jalen the efficiency that he runs with and people questioning, is that just a thing because he's the third down back and running in less loaded boxes is, it, you know, seeing um, like past defenses, like running in nickel and dime sets, or is he actually that good? And I wanted to get your take on that because that was some, what somebody commented, basically asking that question is Jalen Warren really this good, or is he just facing less loaded fronts? I think that's part of it, but man, I think he's just good at football. Like the dude has that dog in him. If you want to say, there right, like, dude, is. he is like a fun player. Every time I watch this guy play, I just get excited to watch him play. Like he's a football player that is energetic. He is physical. Like there's something not quite right up top with Jalen Moore. And what I mean by that is he's got a little bit of, of football insanity, which I like because you need that, I think, to be good in the NFL. Um, and man, he like, like, like he'll literally tell us, like he goes into the hole, lowers his shoulder, closes his eyes, and then he'll open him and just be like, well, I guess I'm still up. I guess I got to keep running. Like, that's what he does. Like, that's not, no one in their right mind should be doing that. But Jalen Warren is like a football dude, 200 to the max guy. And he does everything pretty well. Catches the ball out of the backfield. He's a great pass pro, but when it comes to the run game, like, just a very decisive runner makes mm-hmm. the right cuts, sees what the defense is doing. And he's a one cut and go like, that's what he is. And he has looked really good at camp. I mean, there was one play in the short yardage period earlier this week where it was, they, they went progressively through third and one and fourth and one. That's what they were doing. And he gets hit in the backfield break. And it was a live tackling period. So for what is worth, they do like one live tackling period per day. This was the live tackling period. He shrugs off the edge rusher goes forward, trucks the linebacker, goes outside to the right, stiff arms the safety, and then drags the corner for like five yards. Like, it was insane. I, It was like the best run of camp in terms of just pure effort and heart. And you saw that uh, many times last year where he would just like magically create yards out of nowhere. Like, that's mm-hmm. what he does. He gets like hidden yards. He's quick. He's decisive. I think, you know, the yards per carry, like the disparity between Najee and Warren, if you're like looking at like based metrics, right? Like a lot of that is probably based upon usage because Warren would get a lot of just like third and 15 draws where he would take it 11 yards. Like, yeah, so there's some disparity there. But is the success slash the way he looks on the field because of that? No, like Jalen Warren, man, is a good football player. If Najee Harris ever got hurt, and missed a game, I think Jalen Warren would be a very productive running back as a full-time bell cow. Yeah, and I think, you know, we got to give a slight mention in this conversation, too, to Anthony McFarland, who has looked really good in camp. But it's like, I mean, it's definitely now or never for Anthony McFarland. The thing is, we've seen him look good in camps before, but I don't think this good, right? There's something different about this one where – He's got that RB3 spot unlocked now. There was some conversation about like going into camp about Alfonso Graham. Such a shame that he got hurt, not even able to like really make it a competition. But even if he was healthy with the way McFarland's look, man, it's it's hard to think that he wasn't running away with this regardless. Yeah, he is. I think he solidified himself. Unless there's like an outside addition 
they like love and bring mm-hmm. in, I can't see him not being the option. Like, I don't think he's been a great pure runner of the football. He hasn't really done a ton with like carries, but he's been such a great receiver out of the backfield. I think that's been the big thing. Like his route running is electric. He beats basically every linebacker he faces. He's beaten slot corners. Like he, he catches everything. If you like the Tomlinism routine plays routinely has been Anthony McFarlane. He just makes the, the routine plays look good. And then he makes the splash on top. of it. Like I don't, I don't know what else you could have asked for. I know we've been through this song and dance before with Anthony McFarlane, where he usually has pretty good training camps, but mm-hmm. there's no there's no internal competition there. Darius Higgins has fumbled the ball like four times, and Greg Bell and John Lovett have just arrived. Like Greg Bell has been here for five days. John Lovett was here for one day, got ethered into the dust by a Landon Roberts and hasn't practiced since. Like Anthony McFarlane's got no competition. If anyone's taking his job, it's because they're coming from the outside. But I don't know why you would sign a running back right now. It really mm-hmm. feels like Anthony McFarlane brings something unique, and his speed is obviously something that you have to be you have to be cognizant of. Like he can be a jet sweep guy. That's something he can be. He can be a guy you bring in, and you're, if they ever do the two running back sets, Smitty, you and I both know how much we hear about pony sets, right? Every- yep camp and then they never show up in the regular season well maybe this is the year i think anthony mcfarland could definitely give them the flexibility to actually use that a lot more. i i, I was that's that's what i was just saying right before we go to the last thing which is a question from somebody i was gonna say is this the year we finally see two running backs on the field together obviously we're not gonna have the answer to that for some time and it's hard to go based off training camp because i want to say this is like the third straight training camp we've heard about them showing pony in practice and then we really haven't seen it translate to a game but uh, is there anything that you've seen or heard that would make you think like, yeah, this is the year one way or another? I don't know. I think they have a defined plan for Anthony McFarland. I do think that gives credence to it. And I think the fact that they have a backup running back that is dynamic enough to where he gives something different from the starter. You have Jalen Warren, who's a completely different back than Najee Harris, lends some credence to it. And then the third thing that I would say – as wise because that Ravens game last year and then the Browns game last year, they mixed it in specifically that Ravens game. Remember when Warren and, and Najee were on the field a yeah. lot that game and, and Warren had a few really big runs and that was like big. That was a big part of why they really ran the ball well in that game. And so like, yeah, I think there is some credence to the idea that maybe this team could finally actually use two running backs. Now it's gonna, not going to be like a crazy amount, but that running back, the second running back, could also technically be Connor Hayward. Like, he's played yeah. back there before. He's been like a fullback, H-back, tight end, receiver, whatever, kind of like Swiss Army knife guy. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, it's possible. I, I think we're going to see more two running back sets. I, I'm just not sure it's going to be as, like, plentiful as, like, two tight ends, which obviously you're mm-hmm. going to see more of with, you know, Frymuth and, and Darnell and, and all of those guys. Yeah. Yeah. Um... All right. Well, to, to wrap things up here, as we always like to do, we want to answer a question coming from a viewer or listener. Uh, Ken on, I almost said Twitter on X uh, says, we know the top four wide receivers. Do you think the Steelers keep five or six and who would those guys be? Yeah, I think that's an interesting one. I think they keep five. Uh, I do. Okay. Because, okay, let's go through like the offensive itinerary. 
basically like every year they keep 25 offense, 25 defense, and then three specialists. That's been kind of the point. So, all right, you're keeping three quarterbacks, right? Pickett, Rudolph, Trubisky, keeping three running backs. You're keeping four tight ends this year, and you're probably keeping nine linemen. So, if you do the math on that, it's already got you to 20. So, you're keeping five receivers, or are you cutting a lineman to only keep eight in order to keep six? I don't think there's been a guy that has warranted that in this receiver room. Like, I don't think there's been a guy that has been so must-keep yet that has, like, shown out to say, man, we got to keep that guy instead of saying we could put him on the practice squad. Like, Cody White's had a great camp, mm-hmm. but – we kind of know what Cody White is. Like, he is the proverbial, like, quad A player, for example, in, like, MLB, right? He's the guy that lights triple A up, and when he gets to the MLB, he's like, okay. Miguel Andujar for us Pirate fans. That's yeah, who he's Miguel Andujar, right? Like, that's <laughs> what he is. Like, he's not a great camp, but but he's a, he's a proverbial guy you can promote from the practice squad three times a year and be fine with it. Hakeem Butler has been a guy that – has flashes and dominant plays, and then he just dropped five passes the next day. Like the the inconsistency of his game is so glaring, and in that that's really been why he hasn't stuck along anywhere. And so, like Gunnar Olszewski's had a really good camp too, but are you keeping that guy just to be a wide receiver? Like, I don't get. I don't think you are right. Like. If Calvin Austin's the returner, and he is the first string returner right now at both kick and punt return, are you keeping Gunnar Olszewski just to be like a slot receiver that catches eight passes a year? Like, yeah, and he carries a cap hit of over two million dollars, too. Yeah, right. As opposed to everybody else is like under a mil. So is he that much better as a wide receiver five than those guys? Yeah, I agree. I think he's had a good camp. I'm just not sure there's a utility there. When throughout his career in a game setting, he has not proven to be a viable option as a receiver. He just hasn't. Like, you look at his numbers as a receiver every year, and even last year when they were talking about, oh, Gunner's going to be the big guy, he was outsnapped by Steven Sims. Like, I I don't know mm-hmm. what to say to that. The, the slot position was wide open last year, and he didn't do anything with it. After Chase Claypool got traded, all those snaps went to Steven Sims. Like, so, I, I mean, if he was anything significant in that regard, you would feel like Gunner would be a guy that would have played more, but he doesn't. And, and so that's really the biggest thing here. And so I think you have your five right in front of you. You have Deontay Johnson. You have Calvin Austin, obviously, there as kind of this speedy guy. You have Pickens and Robinson. And then your fifth, I think, is pretty easily Miles Boykin. I think people forget him way too much. Like, they need special teamers, man. They let a lot yeah. of special teamers go this offseason. Um, and I think that's been a big overlooked thing, how many special teamers they lost. Miles Boykin's one of the best gunners in the NFL. He just is. And he is going to be a guy that can give them depth on the outside, which I also think – I think they have a solid one-two in the slot. Robinson gets hurt. All right, Calvin Austin can step in there, right? Like, they don't have, like, a great guy that – what happens if, like, George Pickens gets hurt? Miles Boykin's, like, probably the best option there that you can go with. And so I think he kind of just offers them this, like, nice flexibility. 
I think he's much safer than people realize. I, I that's my kind of thing. I, I know Allen thinks differently, which I'm sure you can ask him about this tomorrow. I think he had Boykin off the roster, um, mm-hmm. and Olszewski. Well, see, the that's the thing. We had that conversation yesterday, and then we started looking at the numbers and Gunner being an over two million dollar cap hit as opposed to the other guys being under a mill. And Allen started to maybe sway a different direction due to yeah. that. I, I think, I think it's going to go the. And I just I think Miles Boykin is going to make this roster. I, I think people really overlook his special teams' importance to this team. Yeah, like the Steelers have a very good gunner duo between him and James Pierre, and I think they're very comfortable with that. So I, I think they keep five. I think they keep five. I think you've got to make room for nine linemen. I think you know we talked we went through the lineman numbers earlier. I think those numbers make sense. Um, maybe if Nate Herbick becomes the backup center and they just decide to go away with Kendrick Green, that could be the one scenario where you can sneak a, sneak a sixth in. And if that happens, I think that's where Gunnar Olszewski will slide. I think that's I think he's the front runner in that room right now um, to have that. Um, but like the receiver room isn't as deep as it was last year when we were talking about them having like eight guys that were competing for those spots when you know they had Miller and Sims and all these guys. I, I think it's a little little thinner this year so yeah five guys is my prediction because you also have to keep 70 line I, I think that i think everyone would agree that they are so deep at d line that you yeah say at least guys. seven with a guy the way that that unit has played in training camp it's hard to even get to seven yeah it, it, there's a tough cut out of seven like out of seven out of eight guys there like yeah. that, that's the tough thing there right so you're cutting like isaiah loudermilk or montrevious adams or Brayton Fajoko or Armin Watts, like, and all those guys have had good camps. So it's like hard to cut any of them. And so when I'm looking at the receiver room, I'm like, I'll keep five and I'll keep Cody White and Des Fitzpatrick and, you know, all these guys that have had solid camps, but not great camps. I'll keep them on the practice squad. And if I need them, I can call them up for the, from the PS. Cause like none of those guys feel like guys that are going to get poached either. Right. I wish I could give Ken a separate answer and be different, but I'm, I'm with you on five and I'm with you on Boykin. I think the one caveat for me would have been like, if you're talking about just replacing somebody on the outside as a receiver, the highest highs that you're going to get are probably from Hakeem Butler, but he's not been dependable. You know, if he's yeah. going to go out there and drop as many passes as he has, I don't know how you could trust him in a game situation. No, I don't think you can either. And maybe we see something here in the preseason where, he, he looks good in-game. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know. There's always one receiver that shows out in these games somehow. Uh, like, uh, like remember Damone Patterson, like, from a few years ago? Like, there yeah. are uh, Vaughn's last year. Yeah, Tyler Vaughn's, right? But, yeah. like, these guys don't often stick. And, and Hakeem Butler has not stacked days at camp. I think that's been the biggest thing. He makes the splash but doesn't make the routine. That's the exact opposite of what – Mike Tomlin has said all of camp. Routine like, plays routinely. Yeah, routine plays routinely, and he hasn't done it. So I have a hard time thinking that. The one guy that has in that depth room made routine plays routinely has been Cody White, and that's the truth. Uh, two guys, I guess. I, that's Fitzpatrick's done nice, too. I think those will be your practice squad, guys. There you go. There you have it, Ken. Uh, Nick, before we get out of here, as always, tell the people where they can find you, where they can find your work, all that good stuff. Yeah, you guys can follow me at Fair about FB. That's just my last name with an FB on it. And you can read the stuff at Steelers Now. Make sure to subscribe to Pittsburgh Sports Now. Uh, sorry, Steelers Now. 
it used to be Pittsburgh Sports Now, now it's Steelers now, on here. And 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 watch the afternoon drive with Smitty now. They'll be back tomorrow, and, and Allen will be live from Raymond James Stadium in Tampa, Florida. We're going on the boots. <laughs> boots on the ground for Allen Saunders. We can't wait to see that backdrop that he's going to have tomorrow. We always talk about the backdrop of having you know St. Vincent back there yesterday. He It was a beautiful day yesterday, it looked like, out there oh, yesterday. Gorgeous. I, I really so. hope tomorrow he just like set, he's allowed to be like set up on the field and in the background <laughs> it's the ship in the cannon. <laughs> yeah, I was thinking <laughs> the same thing. I want to see that ship in the back. He's got to get a sh- – somehow it has to be in the shot at some point. Absolutely. Has to be. Um, you guys can find me at Zachary Smith PGH. Of course, once again, subscribe to the channel, leave us a like, hit that notification bell so you guys don't miss any of the content. Leave us a comment down below if you're watching here on YouTube. If you're listening anywhere else, leave us a five-star review. You can also uh, subscribe to the entire link tree that I have uh, in the description so you guys will know when the show goes up on any platform that you guys want to watch or listen to it on. Uh, for Nick Faribault, I'm Zachary Smith. I'll be back with Alan Saunders tomorrow. Thanks for hopping in and taking another ride on the Steelers afternoon drive.